All right, Reckless. Well, tonight we begin a brand new series I'm really excited about. It's called I Got You. And you're wondering like, what's the deal? What is this series about? What are we talking about? This really is a series about us. This is about who we are and about who we can be. And it's about offering something powerful that I believe all of us need and what your generation especially craves. According to people that study your generation, one of the things that you crave more than anything else is authentic relationships. Now what's interesting to me about that is that you guys have relationships. I mean, through social media, through smartphones, like you guys have access to people all over the world with a push of a button or just the touch of a screen. Like you have access to more people than any other generation in human history. And yet stats are showing that your generation is, and we've talked about this, is relationally poor and lonelier than any other generation. There's one psychologist that states that your generation is on the verge of the greatest mental health crisis in decades. So how is that possible that you have access to more relationships, more people than any other generation in human history and yet you find yourself on that verge where you lack real genuine authentic relationships. See I think The rise in in loneliness and some of the things that you're experiencing is largely due to smartphones, but it's other things like the decrease in personal interaction face-to-face and the increase of broken relationships in your own homes. So it's not that you lack relationships, but it's a lack of depth in those relationships that's the greatest concern. And so I'll just ask you, like, Maybe to help as we kick this series off, to help you just kind of evaluate your own life and where you're at. Let me ask you, are you lonely? Are you lonely? Like evaluate your life right now and maybe this second question can help you further define that. Like do I lack people in my life who believe in me and aren't afraid to show it? Are you lonely Or do you lack people in your life who believe in you and aren't afraid to show it? See, if you answer yes to either one of those questions, then I believe that we as a ministry, as reckless, are set up perfectly to offer you something that no one else can. Now that may seem like an arrogant statement, a little bit cocky for me to say that. I think if we do this well, if we do this right, we can offer you something that no one else can. And it involves authentic relationships, but it's something deeper and richer than that. It's something called authentic biblical community. And we're gonna define that over the course of this series and what that looks like and what that specifically means. But I believe that authentic biblical community happens best in small groups. Now we've said for years that small groups are the most important thing that we do here at Reckless. And our goal and desire is to get every single student connected here into a small group. Why? Because I believe that life change happens best in relationships. See, for me personally, my faith as a high school student was helped because I had friends who said, hey, Todd, I got you. 
And they were guys like Steve Savage and Chad Bonowitz and Paul Kang and Stephen Dudley and Carter Muwahu. Like these were guys who most of them didn't even go to my, to my um, high school. But they were guys in my student ministry who were trying to follow Jesus too. And I had, with that, I had some great adult small group leaders who in middle school and high school, for whatever reason, saw something in me and they said, Todd, I got you. Like, I want to invest in you. I want to help you grow in your faith. And so it was those guys, those friends that were trying to follow Jesus too, and those small group leaders that helped push me forward in my faith. See, you were created for community. And you need people in your life who will say, I got you, no matter what. So you may be saying, hey, look, I'm, I'm just not okay right now. And you've got people in your life that look in, at you and they say, I got you. Or you may say, I want to grow closer to Jesus, but I, I just don't know how to do that. And they're like, I got you. Or you look at them and you say, hey, I'm struggling with sin. I've messed up. I've fallen short. Like there's areas of brokenness and, and just issues in my life where I have missed the mark. And they're looking at you and saying, I got you. Or you're saying, I need people to fight with me, to be who God has called me to be. And they're looking at you and saying, I got you. See, how much of a game changer would it be for you if you had people in your life like that? Not just friends, not just people that you knew or people that you knew about their life on social media, but authentic biblical community who did that type of thing for you. So what we're going to do over the course of the series is try to help all of us understand what does authentic biblical community look like. And our goal and desire is for us to use this as a, a mirror for our small groups. Where we evaluate our small groups up to this and say, hey guys, how are we doing? Are we hitting the mark? Are we missing the mark? And hopefully it pushes all of us, every single group, to be what we need to be for every single student in our community. Now we're going to begin this series by talking about what's critical to the success of every single group. And it's something that the world lacks big time right now. I mean, you can see this missing everywhere you look, and it doesn't take long for you to look at the world and the culture around us to see that this is lacking. And what is it that I'm talking about? I'm talking about unity. I mean, you know unity is a big deal when you see a world that is full of hatred and division and chaos, and that feels like that describes our world currently right now. Our country, like, so, it's so divisive, so toxic. We can't agree on anything. And when you see that, then you start to realize, man, unity really is a big deal. How big of a deal is unity? Well, what did Jesus pray for in John chapter 17, right before he's going to the cross? He prayed for a ton of things, right? The night before he's going to be crucified, he's praying for a lot of different things. But one of the things he prays for is unity. And not just for his disciples, but for us in 2021, the church, that we would be unified. Jesus knew that unity was going to be a big deal. 
What was it that the early church focused on a lot? They focused on unity. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote things like he did in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. He says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Paul's saying, look, there are things that unify us together and you've got to stay unified by those things that matter. And so because it's such a big deal, because unity is so important, what do you think one of the main areas that Satan attacks people in the church? He attacks our unity. He creates division, he creates issues, and he's really good at it. And so because of where we're at as a culture, because of so much of what's going on, I believe that there has never been a greater chance for us to show what unity looks like than right now. Like now is a moment, an opportunity for the outside world to look at the church and say, this is what unity can look like. Now, unity doesn't mean that we agree on everything. Unity doesn't mean that there aren't real issues and problems that exist between us. It also doesn't mean that we just ignore them or pretend like everything is fine. Right, we hate conflict and so we're just like, maybe I'll just avoid it and pretend like it's not there. And it's just that big fat elephant that sits in the room and just creates division and issues and we all know it's there but none of, none of us want to acknowledge that it's there and, and do the hard things to, to work through it to, to make sure that we are unified together. So what does unity mean? Here's the definition that we're going to use for us tonight. Unity means staying committed to each other because what brings us together is more important than what can pull us apart. What brings us together is more important than what can pull us apart. So what is it that brings us together? It's our purpose. Our purpose as the church is what unifies us together. Man, we were made in the image of God. We were created to know God and to have a relationship with him. And that's true of any of us, whether you're the biggest atheist in the world or you are walking closer to Jesus than anybody else or anywhere in between. All of us were created with the same purpose. We were made in the image of God. We were created to know God and to have a relationship with him. And so because of that, each and every one of us matters. We belong We have value. How much value? Enough value that Jesus proved it by dying for us on the cross. And you have so much value and so much purpose that Jesus didn't even just plan your beginning of being made in his image, but he even set out the end for you and your purpose and what he wanted invite you into and what he wants all of us to experience at the end and in Revelation 19 I love this passage because it gives us such a cool picture of the end and what we can experience and the unity 
that we can experience, that the church of Jesus will experience in the end. And so if you have your Bibles, look at Revelation chapter 19. And I hope this is going to kind of give us the picture that then we can talk about unity and look and evaluate it through this picture. So Revelation 19, starting in verse 6, and it says, Then I heard again what sounded like the, sh- the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of a mighty ocean waves or the crash of loud thunder. Praise the Lord, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and let us give honor to him for the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who were invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb And he added, these are true words that come from God. Now, you may read that and go, what the heck is happening right now? Now, let me just set this up for just a minute to explain exactly what's going on. This is at the end. So Jesus has returned and Jesus is defeating sin and death and he is what we're promised and what we hope for is that Jesus is gonna come and make all things new, right? He's gonna restore and redeem all parts of creation to back to the way it was originally intended. And so sin and death and pain and all those things will be eliminated once and for all. They will no longer be a part of the picture. And so there is this picture in Revelation 19 as, as this is taking place where we get this picture of heaven And John is talking about this kind of this great crowd of of heaven. And who is he talking about? He's talking about you and me. He's talking about the church. He's talking about anyone who who has put their faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, who belong to Jesus. Like there is this sound that John can't even describe. It's like the sound of waves or ocean or this, this loud crash of thunder. And it is the sound of people in heaven celebrating, unified together, worshiping God and declaring that God is on his throne. And they're celebrating. And then it talks about this great feast. Have you ever wished that you were on some A-list of of some special dinner banquet, right? Or some great party or celebration that you got a an invitation to be a part of right we just had a couple weeks ago had that met gala thing right and all these celebrities were there and it was like twenty five thousand or thirty thousand dollars to get in right so none of us were getting into that thing and it's all these a-list celebrities and they're all a big deal and right anybody and everybody that's a big deal is there at that place and you and I don't have a chance in the world of being a part of something like that And I don't know if you've ever looked from the outside of going, man, it would be cool to be a part of that kind of crowd or to be a part of that celebration or if I was invited in to experience kind of that moment. See, understand what Revelation 19 is talking about. This is the dinner celebrations of all dinner celebrations. Like this is not a metaphor, right? There is a little bit of a, a metaphor that's, that's described in this passage where there's this, you know, this bride that comes down and the bride is us, it's the church. 
and we are presented in this white linen, like, you know, kind of perfect in, in every way, presented in perfection to Jesus, who is the groom. And so there is this kind of metaphorically, metaphorically speaking, this dinner celebration, this party that's going on where this bride, the church, is presented to the groom. But when it is talking about this, this wedding feast of the lamb, like that's a real feast. That's a real party. Like you and I, if we belong to Jesus, we're going to be a part of that. This is not a metaphor. There's going to be Chick-fil-A, right? There's going to be prime filet. There's going to be like great filet steaks. There's going to be sushi. Thank Jesus, right? I'm going to have the best sushi of my life at that dinner feast, and it's all going to taste amazing. And you don't have to worry about getting fat or eating it or should I have this, right? It's probably going to be all the greatest desserts that you can ever imagine. And you can eat all of it and not have to worry about gaining an ounce. Not have to worry about what diet you're on. Like you can celebrate and feast. And what is it that we're celebrating in Revelation chapter 19? We're celebrating that Jesus is Lord, that sin is defeated, that we belong to Jesus and that the King of all kings is on his throne once and for all. And as I said before, who is it that's gonna be at this feast? The bride, the church of Christ. All of us who are followers of Jesus and it is gonna be like, imagine this big, huge table and we're all gonna sit at this table. We're all gonna sit down and dine together and celebrate together. But see, the church will be at the feast, but anyone and everyone is invited into it. And the only reason why people won't be a part of that feast is because they chose to reject Jesus. And so in this moment, it's only those who belong to Jesus, but everybody is invited to be a part of that. That's God's purpose for all of us. God wants everyone to experience that. And see, here's what I want us to understand when it comes to unity tonight. We can't miss this. You're not the only one invited into this. And you're not the only one at the table. I mean, like I said, imagine this big old table and you're not the only one at it. Jesus has pulled up a chair and he said, hey, come sit, invite. Like you've been invited into this and you belong to me and so come celebrate. But it's not only your feast. There will be people at this feast that you may not agree with on everything. They may be different than you. But you know what? In this moment, at this dinner feast, at this table, none of that stuff's gonna matter. I mean, let's just be real for a second. On that day, you won't be concerned with the girl who wore the same outfit as you or why she tried to steal your boyfriend in high school, right? You won't be worried about your state records or how fast your 40 time was. You won't be concerned with how a person voted or why they talked about you one time behind your back, right? All those things that right now are a big deal to us and divide us and separate us and we look and go, man, I don't like him or her because of this X, Y, Z, right? There's all those kind of things that separate us, but you know what? In that moment, at that dinner feast, none of that stuff is gonna matter. And I'm not saying it's not a big deal, but I'm saying in this moment in Revelation 19, 
We're not gonna look across the table and go, hey, remember what you did to me. We are gonna be unified together. The only thing that's gonna matter then is the feast. We'll all be eating together and celebrating Jesus and we'll be all there going, can you believe that we belong here? Can you believe that what Jesus has done? Can you believe how much God loves us? Can you believe that God has invited us to be a part of this? How great is God? How amazing is he? Man, let's celebrate, let's party, let's feast together, let's eat together and celebrate, right? None of that other stuff is gonna matter. And so my question is, if it won't have any impact on that day, then why should we allow it to impact us now? If we won't care in that moment about whatever it is that happened earlier in our life or what he or she did to us, if it's not going to matter in that moment, then why should it matter now? Here's the main point for us tonight. Unity is vital for authentic biblical community and its foundation is God's purpose for us. And I think when we dismiss out of here every single week and we break into our small groups, I think what we need to start doing is looking at every single small group moment as a feast. Man, wherever, whatever room we're in, whatever time we have where we're meeting together, where we sit around in that table and we go, hey, can you believe what God's done for us? I'm not saying that your small group leaders have to bring food every week because they'd be poor if they did that. But where we celebrate that, like what Revelation 19 is gonna be about. So we walk into the room and we sit around the table or on the floor in the room or whatever and we go, can you believe how good God is? Can you believe how much God loves us? Can you believe the hope that we have in him? And when we're unified together like that, and when we have that mentality and that mindset, all of a sudden, all that other stuff becomes secondary. And it matters. And so when there are those kind of tense moments or when there is conflict or whatever, because of what Revelation 19 shows us, we go, hey, let's work through this and let's solve this and let's make sure that we, man, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. If you did this to me, let's, let's talk through this and work through this together because let, we need to make sure that we're feasting. We need to make sure that we're celebrating, that we're unified together because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's what it can look like every single week in our small group when we're unified together by God's purpose for us. Let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you, God, as, as we dive in over the next month or so in this series. God, I pray that you would challenge all of us. God, that we would no longer be content or happy with just shallow, superficial, surfacey relationships. God, you have created us for more. You've created us for deeper, richer, healthier relationships with each other than that. 
God, I pray for us as a ministry, God, that we would be able to be committed to experiencing that and working towards that authentic biblical community where we fight together, where we are unified together. Because God, what brings us together is much more important than what pulls us apart. And so God, would you help us to work towards that? And would you allow us to experience what you desire for us to experience as your church? In Jesus' name, amen.